Hey everybody, it's Tony, your host here. Just want to invite you to head on over to tonyfletcher.substack.com and subscribe, if you will, so that you can get yourself a weekly newsletter full of news about this podcast, my other podcast, a Substack-only subscribers podcast that's launching in December 2023, and you'll get additional show notes for this episode and other episodes complete with pictures, links, and even video and music if need be. That's tonyfletcher.substack.com. And now on with the show. And and it was a massive musical story, a lot more than just oh let's let's follow Highway sixty one and and trace the blues because as you know you know all the genres are all interlinked and they're only a sort of a a nanosecond apart in some places uh, or a couple of beats apart often. Um, so so that's what that's what really inspired. That's when I really got excited about it was the fact that there were these two two uh, stories intertwined. Welcome back, everybody, to One Step Beyond, a show all about positively engaging with the world outside our door with me, your host, Tony Fletcher. I want to welcome uh, any brand new listeners on board, and I believe there may be some who are kind of new because uh, I was fortunate enough to be featured on Jason Moore's excellent show, Zero to Travel. Over the last few weeks, I definitely noticed an uptick in downloads, which I will attribute to um, the popularity of his show. And it looks like a lot of you dug deep into the archives as well. So I appreciate that, and all the more so if you've decided to stay on board and have subscribed. And if you have done, you'll know that uh, over the past uh, three years or so, this show has sort of married outdoor activities with travel. And it used to have a tagline, step outside your comfort zone and enrich your life. But I did away with that because A, actually, it was a bit of a cliche. And B, I wasn't really doing enough stepping outside of my own comfort zone. I seem to be perfectly happy talking to other people who were. And in a way, there's nothing wrong with that. It's part of journalistic uh, enthusiasm. But I would prefer to not just talk the talk, but also walk the walk and indeed drive the drive. And that was a deliberate segue into this current episode, The Great American Road Trip and the Story of the Blues. My guest, Richard Hurd, is not famous. He's not an author. He uh, hasn't walked across India making a film along the way and didn't lose his legs in a war and still climb Mount Kilimanjaro unaided. He's not here to tell you to cut down on your travel or to hike barefoot. He hasn't won any of the hardest ultra races in the world nor has he even attempted one uh, all of which by the way does describe some of my previous guests in fact in many ways Richard is just a normal human being a bloke to Brits like you and me trying to live his best life so why is he on this show on this episode well I've known Richard since we became best friends back at school in South London from the age of about 14 uh, you could say we've been thick as thieves all that time, and if you know anything about the band The Jam, that's a deliberate reference to a song title about friendship. In fact, Rich and I did a couple of road trips ourselves back in those days when we had absolutely no money, and uh, although we ended up moving to different sides of the world, me to the USA, Richard initially to Australia where we met his uh, wife uh, who's from New Zealand, and they both now live in Scotland. Uh, he and I have stayed very, very much in contact and have seen each other, uh, especially when I go back to the UK. And he sometimes makes a point of timing his trips to London to coincide. 
And, you know, through all that time together, I've, I've known Richard as someone uh, highly intelligent. He's very methodical and he's got a passion for music, but equally a passion for drawing conclusions from, you know, from music, from anything, from any discussion. You know, he's inquisitive like myself. So hopefully you'll understand why I figured he'd make an ideal guest to talk about this, the, the, the concept of the great American road trip, uh, something with a storied tradition in a country as large as the USA and with so much open road and with, with various means to travel it. One quick translation before we start. I almost interrupt him when he uses the word bonnet. Uh, because I know American listeners will be confused by that. Well, if you don't know, a bonnet is what one of Richard's favourite musicians, Bruce Springsteen, would call a hood of a car. And with that, we're going to... Uh, we're, well, what are we going to do? We're going to check our air pressure, keep our windows clean. We're going to have a good look in the rearview mirror, make sure we can see everything behind us. And then we're going to strap in, step on the gas or the petrol or the accelerator, and we're going to hit the road. Hey, Richard, how are you doing? I'm good, Tony. How are you doing yourself? I'm I'm doing great. Uh, unlike a lot of these episodes that I do, I don't think we have to do big introductions. Uh, we've known each other since we were 11, and we saw each other as recently as, what, nine nine days ago. Was it as long as that? Yeah, yeah. It, uh, um, yeah, it seems like yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason that we saw each other, given that I live 3,000 miles away from you, is that you were ending up um, well, you tell you tell us. Why did you come up to see me in Woodstock? What brought you to the states? Well, I had this. I had a dream uh, some time ago about uh, a road trip in the states, and what also happened around the same time was a, was an interest in visiting various cities, including New Orleans. And I started researching New Orleans and the blues and highway 61 and all that good stuff and i finished up putting together a road trip from chicago down to new orleans via nashville and memphis and um it seemed to have to be on the same continent as you and not visit you on the way home so uh, that's how we got together in new york state which was uh kind of on my way home because i just uh, I, I left new orleans uh and had a long weekend with you which was great I thought once you started talking about the trip and putting out a, little, a few little videos as you went along, I thought it would just make a lot of sense to um, to get you on here because we do so much discussions about longer, you know, wider traveling and all kinds of other issues. But there's always something on one's doorstep. And of course, the American road trip. I mean, the road trip is built into the fabric of sort of American folklore, just hitting the road. But then again, you know, the idea of following the path of music is endlessly fascinating for me it's actually been my profession for to, to quite some extent and i've done my share of american road trips uh and and they are utterly wonderful especially if you have some kind of a goal so the idea of actually uh figuring on tracing some of america's music is i think going to be of interest for a, a lot of people uh so i want to ask you what was your overall goal with this did you do it on your own and why choose some cities, the ones you mentioned, and not and not others? You know, how did you get it together? And and beyond just having a dream, you mentioned the dream as a road trip, but how did the music road trip aspect play into it? Yeah, well, I, I as you know from our 
uh, you know, collective youth, um, my interest in music has really been centred around um, 60s, 60s soul, 60s rock, 60s and 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 actually when we really got going in, in in the late 70s. And a lot of that stuff I learned when we were into the sort of mod revival and the jam, et cetera, was about American soul music. And that was really my introduction to soul music was via us learning more about the jam and and via that sort of gateway into the the, the mod revival. Um and and so I I got this sort of background and and in the heart of me is 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 soul music. But what happened about the the, uh, the 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 trip was was it was it was really born out of the the blues. I mean, I I started like many people a, a guitar journey uh, a few years ago in in the midst of lockdown, and that led me to learning more about guitar based music and the blues. And and when I looked into it a bit more and I started reading some more, I realised there was also a massive american history around the blues and particularly you know late 19th century early early 20 or first half of 20th century um the effect that had on on the black population in the south who migrated on mass really to to northern cities and and ended up really of forming the chicago blues really in 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 what that became known as chicago blues so it it really as I as I lifted the bonnet on the blues and stood into that road trip, yeah, yeah. pardon the pun. Um, I lifted the bonnet on it and I thought, wow, this is not just about music. This is actually a really, really interesting part of American culture uh, and social history, which I didn't really know a lot about. It's so a fascinating. It's a fascinating way of learning uh, history is to study it through through music. The the, the two things are so so closely connected and you're absolutely 100% right the story of american music if we're talking about folk tradition or whatever you want to call it music is essentially the story of the nation in all its good and and it's very very bad and yeah it, it you absolutely get the history of the country if you decide to trace the history of the music so i think that's fascinating so you're saying you came into it wanting to sort of trace the history of certain musics but realizing that you were tracing this a bigger story oh a, ma- a massive story and 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 it was a massive musical story a lot more than just oh let's let's follow highway 61 and, and trace the blues because as you know, you know all the genres are all interlinked, and they're only a sort of a, a nanosecond apart in some places, uh, or a couple of beats apart often. Um, so, so that's what that's what really inspired. That's when I really got excited about it was the fact that there were these two two uh, stories intertwined. So, and I didn't go alone. I, I there's a there's a good friend of mine who I've known for the last sort of 15, 20 years. Lives in Houston and, and American and. He expressed an interest in joining me for the trip. And that was really cool because it meant I had a you know, very much a like-minded person, but American had grown up in, in in fact, just missed out on the Vietnam draft. Um just he, when he was at high school, um segregation stopped. So he was right at the part you know he'd lived some of that you know he's 10 years older than us so it was really good having win on board because he was a 
you know, the, he's a really cool guy. We got on really well, and that's one of the lessons from this: is pick your pick your <laughs> companions really carefully. We we had a we had a great time. Uh, the pair of us really get on really well, and and also he gave me you know an insight into the history of his life, which intertwined also with the history of what we were learning about on the road and in the museums. So you mentioned your cities. Uh, just to run through them again: Chicago, Memphis, Nashville, Memphis, New Orleans. That's right, in that order. Right. So a couple of things come come to mind. Why those four? I mean, why not, for example, Detroit uh, or perhaps even Cleveland for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Um, and and also, I'll throw this second one in, in here. I've done a very similar trip that I did to research a book, and I found myself like actually going north to south was the opposite of the Great Migration. I was like, ah, it would be more interesting in some ways to trace that journey north. But but um, you can answer why you did them in that order. But I think first up, why those four as opposed to other places I mentioned? Yeah, I think what I realised, uh, what we collectively, when and I realised early on, was that we had we had sort of ten to ten to fourteen days was our, as our window. And when, as soon as you start trying to do a road trip, you realise that there's a day here and a day there where you're just on the road, you know, quite a lot of days. And we had to make the choice. Now, Detroit was definitely on the on the list early doors, but we kind of decided that we'd save that for another day and probably Cleveland as well. And a number of other cities along the route, you know, St. Louis and, and uh, Louisville and all those sorts of places where, you know, each of these cities, if you research them, have got some sort of claim to blues fame. You know, there's mm-hmm. something going on there and something you want to see. What I did do actually on some of those cities in between sort of Chicago and New Orleans was to sort of check what gigs and clubs were were happening around the time we would be there. And there was so much more in the other other four places. So um, we had to narrow it down. And I I think we've uh, we've left some in the locker for another trip because, you know, we've we definitely didn't have enough time. That's that's one lesson from this is that to to do we did thirteen hundred miles in ten days and saw a lot as we'll touch on, but there's so much more to come and uh, we'll we're going to go back and do some more I think. Oh yeah, that's 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 great to know. I'm really glad, Richard, that you mentioned places like St. Louis and Louisville. Um, uh, you know, I, I guess St. Louis is definitely mentioned in, in Route 66. But when you talk about the Great Migration, those were really important stop-off points on the path from the south to the north. Uh, you, you know, the journey was often not made. And I'm talking about a migration, so people moving. The journey was not necessarily made in one go. And a lot of people, uh, and we're talking about African-Americans, uh, sort of stopped off in a Louisville or St. Louis and then said, you know what, we're going to stay here. So you end up with these um, really important midway cities and uh, those those cities uh, and indeed Kansas City cannot be underestimated for their importance because they're these like very important crossroads of America in the middle. Uh, you went to museums and live music, am I right? That's correct, yeah. Right, so let me break it, let me break it down. Um, the best museum you went to on this trip? So the best museum, I, I would give you two, and they and they were both in Memphis, and that was Stack, the Stacks Museum of American Soul Music, which is is just an awesome place for a soul music or a music fan. It just you know they get your spine tingling from from the minute one you you walk in the door and you sit down, they give you an intro video, and you just you're just totally immersed in it. 
And importantly, um, the Civil Rights Museum at the Lorraine Motel in, in Memphis too, I think both Lewin and I were, and him being, you know, having lived some of this segregation and some of that that stuff in the 60s and to to the present day, in his opinion, because he lives in, in Texas, right? So um, so both those places, but the Civil Rights Museum was was a very moving experience. Uh, both both that and the Stax Museum, brilliant museums. So they they were definitely the highlight museum wise. The uh, Stax Museum is one that I'm always telling people to go to in Memphis. It's uh, uh, you know the story of Stax is closely. Uh, I mean, I've been involved in telling some of that story with a couple of my books and i've been fortunate enough to even do an event there for one one of my books but that that connection comes from my own love of soul music like you and a particular love for stacks and for those who don't know um the museum is built on uh, in the exact location of the stack studio but rich is it the exact stack studio um, I think they've recreated the studio inside that uh, old theatre that they now occupy. So mm. they've, uh, and and that you know what you know that you you read that, but even so, you still got the atmosphere of the whole thing because by the time you get to the point of you're looking at the studio itself, you're absolutely you know, enthralled by the whole story, and you because a lot of the music you know, a lot of the music you, you love, and if you're you know, an aspiring musician like me, and there's guitars everywhere, and and, and instruments everywhere, and and different songs that were recorded in this place. You, you're just totally entranced by the whole thing. So, it's a really cool place uh, to visit. And um, as you say, everyone should go. And what I love about that museum, and I'm sure you'll back me up, is it's not just soul. It sits you down and gives you the history of, I guess, to some degree slavery but really much more in the in in the aspect of the music gospel music the blues right yeah I, I, and that's that's what's so important about that place is that it actually links you to some of those struggles civil rights struggles that that we are familiar with and you see a lot more of in the civil rights museum so it it, it makes sure whether you whether you were prepared for it or not and we were certainly prepared we we knew we wanted to learn about the the how the, the civil rights and the music stories were entwined but that you you come out of the Stax Museum with with no doubt at all that this is this is a combined story and they are inextricably linked. And and, and you mentioned Isaac Hayes that we can't go past without mentioning that that, that gold plated Cadillac, can we? <laughs> no, Isaac lived large. Um, I think he laboured in enough obscurity, semi-obscurity. I mean, he certainly wasn't obscure to those who knew him. Uh, writing songs with David Porter in a in a inside the studio for a number of years. That when he broke big, he broke really big. He broke <laughs> really <laughs> big. Yeah, Black Moses, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. yeah so, unfortunately, that was part of what brought the company down. I mean, they couldn't pay him his royalties fast enough for him to spend them. Unfortunately, uh, the whole thing got crazy out of hand. But you're right, and I think even even watching the change of of clothing from the sort of very formal suits that famously Booker T and the MGs wore at Monterey, where they looked about ten years out of date. Uh, you know, through to the sort of sequins and disc. Am I right? Do they still have the Soul Train exhibit there? I 
don't know. It might have been just a single board on that. Now it's a bit. Uh, they had like a disco, uh, disco. Oh yes, board. yes, yes, yes. There's the room. Yeah, that's right. They do have the soul train. You can get get on down, man. It's done. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's all there. Yeah, you're right. It's still it's still happening. So um, it is. I'm going to give another shout out to Stacks for the fact that they actually finance uh, through through the whole resurrection of that building. It, the first thing to open was actually the charter school behind it. Oh, and cool, so, yeah. so they have a charter school for musically gifted kids from the inner city, and they have an academy, which is actually not totally unlike the, uh, the one I'm involved in here, except I've seen them do Soul Finger and I've seen our kids do Soul Finger and I suspect their kids may have done it better, but you know, <laughs> they, they may have had, they may have had family members in the, uh, in the room uh, doing that, but we digress. Um, the National Civil Rights Museum only opened relatively recently. I'd been to Memphis a few times before it opened. I've only been there the once. You're right. It's very moving. But yeah. uh, you mentioned the Lorraine Motel. Why does that connect to the importance of a, uh, any American road trip, let alone a music road trip? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Lorraine Motel, for anyone that's got any sort of knowledge of, of civil rights, is is obviously the place where Martin Luther King got assassinated in, in April 68. Um, and the Civil Rights Museum is literally built on the end of that, uh, the motel. Um, the motel has been sort of restored to its its former status around that time because that was significant as well obviously the, the, the Lorraine Motel was the lunchroom for the stacks uh, musicians and staff um but the the you know there's there's obviously a significant commemoration of the life of of King um and you can see the balcony on which he was shot and you know the the there's a lot in the museum about about civil rights, but also about the whole issue about uh, the assassination and and the story behind that and the the conspiracy theories and all that all that stuff as well. So it's actually a massive uh, deep dive into the whole civil rights story, um, particularly in in sort of the twentieth century part of it. Although it does it does set the scene very very well from you know from the slavery. Uh, days onwards and you could learn a lot about the whole history of of civil rights and the um the african-american from from this museum it, it takes a bit of work actually um because there's a lot in it and a lot of it is is actually pretty hard work to to, to see but it does help you put together some of the things of the civil rights story that you you perhaps knew in part but how they were interconnected yeah, I, as I say, I've only been there once. It was when I was researching my book on Wilson Pickett, who the famous soul singer who uh, was uh, recorded some of his bigger hits at Sax Records before moving on to other studios and was from the Deep South and moved to uh, Detroit and then to New York City. And it, it was uh, emotionally, I think is what you're saying, it's very difficult because if you give a damn and if you don't give a damn as soon as some, you know, somebody wasn't listening, to be quite honest, if you do give a damn, um, you can still walk around the room where King was his last That's bedroom. Right. Yeah. Well, you, you can look, you can look into the, into the room as it was, it's been recreated as it, were, it. would have been on that, on that evening. Uh, when That's he was, it. Yeah. Sure. And then you get to, I mean, you get close enough to feel some degree of pain and uh, emotional pain, if not, you know, like, I, I mean, you do. I I found myself tearing up. I don't know about you. Yeah, it it really was, really was a moving experience. Uh, and 
um you know that that whole sort of what went on around that time of, of Martin Luther King alone let alone what went on before that you know then there's lots of of you know horrific stuff that went on before that and I think it's because it it's it's sort of in our lifetime you know we were alive when this stuff was going on I think that really does hit home and uh yeah, it, it it is really quite. I mean, you need it's one of these things you just need to do it. You know, you need right. to read it. You need to be there. And that, and by the way, they they advise an hour and a half. You Crazy. need a lot more than that. You need a yeah. lot more than that. Um, and it is very well done. I mean, extremely well done. Um, but you need to be ready to to put some work in actually as you go I, through. The Lorraine Mattel, uh, you mentioned it being the lunchroom for Stacks, and I think that in terms of uh, tracing an, an American musical story, um, I, I think Richard, you know, you've made it clear that you understand where the music comes from, uh, being that most of it, you know, is coming from from African American culture. Uh, the you know, Stax was would like to declare itself as integrated, but the the fact is there weren't too many places that the uh, white musicians could comfortably go out with the black musicians, you know, outside of playing in clubs. So uh, they would go to the Lorraine Motel, which was uh, basically a black owned hotel for and and had always been popular with everything from preachers to politicians to musicians, because the white people were welcome there. And that, to me, I have to say, is a common story i wrote a book about new york city and there was never a problem with whites being welcomed into the jazz venues in harlem the problem was with blacks being welcomed into the jazz venues in midtown so um or even into their own venues in harlem in the case case of the cotton club so that was the importance of the lorraine and certain songs were written there i've been fortunate enough to work with eddie floyd writing his autobiography and he and steve cropper wrote six three four five um seven eight nine uh, sorry, sorry, they wrote Knock on Wood there. I'm getting the wrong one. They may have written that song as well. But actually, sorry, they definitely wrote Knock on Wood at the Lorraine. Um, yeah. Because it was as much as anything. It was somewhere you just go and you say, let's have a songwriting session and, and we'll pop over to, to the Lorraine. So it has that history. And I think one way of taking this back up to another city is the thing that I learned there that, that I've, I've still never seen as clearly laid out is that when we talk about the Great Migration, and we're talking about over a period of decades, millions of uh, Blacks moved from the Jim Crow South uh, to what was meant to be the prospect of more employment, better jobs, and less discrimination in the North, to the cities in the North. They, a lot of them followed a straight South-North line. So, for example, um, Alabama, which is where you know, Eddie Floyd's from and where Wilson Pickett was, was from, they went up to uh, Detroit it's more or less the straight line. And it's, yeah. you know, if you look at the original Temptations lineup, it's like three quarters from Alabama. Um, people from sort of Florida and the deep South and East Coast would come up, I think, generally to Philly, DC, New York City, even Rochester or Buffalo. And out West, further West in sort of Texas would go out to California, LA, particularly. And that would leave um, not only Mississippi, but Mississippi, the sort of deepest south of the deep south states, um, the line there goes up to Chicago. And that's the line that, as far as I understand, sort of gave us the Chicago blues. And that's where you started off your um, your trip. Did you get a sense that 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 was how the path could be followed? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was clear from, from the research I did beforehand that there were lots of permutations on that north-south or south-north journey. Um, 
and the role of Detroit in the story I thought was quite interesting because obviously that's that's Hitsville and Motown um and I wasn't I hadn't really done the sort of geometry that you described of you know directly straight line from from the south from Alabama up to Detroit but but I thought Detroit was interesting or Motown versus Stax is quite an interesting comparison isn't it in, in musically because you know, and I'm, I'm not sure if if that's because of, you know, the, the geography of um, Detroit versus Memphis has, has made the stack sound much more edgy. You know, it's much more, much less polished than, than the the Motown sound that we all we all love and sing along to. You know, the stacks is not as well known, and the, and you know, people couldn't unless I'd pointed it out on my little little videos people will probably say well stacks who was on stacks you know so who was on stacks well you heard this name check isaac hayes already but among the literally hundreds of other artists who graced stacks's uh, highly iconic logos were the great otis redding the staple singers sam and dave booker t and the mgs the soul children gene knight william bell eddie floyd Johnny Taylor, the Marquis, the Barkeys, and the great blues man, Albert King, just to name a few. So you did the live music as well. You, you're welcome to run me through some places you went to, but just uh, I'm going to throw the same question. What was your best live music experience? Well, you know, um, what, what I guess one of the, 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 the sort of happy surprises of the whole trip was the diversity of the music. It wasn't mm-hmm. just about blues. It was about the whole the whole genres across from from blues to to soul to funk to country and jazz included. You know, the best live performance I saw was Gary Clark Jr. at the uh, Jazz Fest in New Orleans. Yeah, but I have to mention the very first night we arrived in Chicago. Both of us arrived in the afternoon, and. We said so. We, we'd researched, uh, and this is a lesson from the, for, for others that, that do such a trip is that we'd done some research on each city, but we hadn't really decided this was what we're going to do on at this time on this day. We were very flexible, so it's like, okay, we've got a pot of things we're going to look at. What are we going to do tonight? Well, Buddy Guy's Legends is around the corner. Let's pop round the Buddy Guy. So off we go, thinking oh, we're never going to get in there. It's Buddy Guy's after all. And anyway, we walked in, paid our money, got in. Found a tape, found a table, and the bands came on, and it was like, do you know what? In my mind's eye, this is it. <laughs> this is it. We, we've done it, and we're sitting there, and we watched a couple of guys, uh, a couple of bands. The second one, actually, a guy called Ray Fuller, who's a, a blues player, and he was excellent. I mean, it was just fantastic guitar. And then within, you know, halfway through his set, the compere comes on and says. Uh, buddy guys in the house and we're like buddy guys in the house hey this doesn't and sure enough blues in e bands band strikes up on walks buddy guy and gives us a song i mean that is how... just amazing that is just utterly amazing and it's on your first night <laughs> first first night in chicago first night in chicago ever for me right and i'd only been in the town or in the city for you know three hours and i'm sitting down and, I'm in, in, and there he is one of the you know absolute legends of, in his legends club it's it, it was it's it was amazing incredible. he's on a farewell tour uh 
right now that's coming to my hometown in in under a month and tickets are a it's sold out and it's it's a very expensive ticket and you know it's a theater it's a big theater i think the fact that he would step foot on his in his own club because listen i don't want to you know other people to think that's a norm i've been to like uh you know a couple of bb king's clubs and you know you were not expecting to see bb king walk on stage and any more than you would go to any any place almost named for anyone um, and expect to see that famous person there. Usually they're just attaching a name. And uh, just confirm for me, because uh, even by the time this goes up, the, 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 the showing Kingston may have happened. I may have got myself to it. Is the guy's on form still? He's on great form. His voice is still right up there. You know, there's a lot of older singers around at the minute and, and some of their voices, you know, are not what they were. But Buddy Guy was right up there. So, yeah, it was a great performance. It just brought the house down, as you can imagine. So uh, that was a that was a real highlight uh, on yeah. on day one. Um, I, I, it's worth mentioning Rose's Lounge as well, which is it's a bit more uptown in in Chicago, and it's um, it sees itself as a little bit more grassroots blues. And again, you know, we were sitting at the bar there with a drink, and it's like, you know what, this is it. This is what this is what we had in our our mind's eye. And that was a really that was a fun night. What, what what was interesting about that is that the band obviously knew that a lot of people were from overseas, you know, visitors to the city, and and they softened the blues a bit. I think there was a little bit of bit of blues, but there was a lot of soul music from the same band. You know, they sort of blended it a bit, which I thought was quite interesting. Um, you know, we weren't complaining because it was all just brilliant, great live music. But it was interesting the way they sort of manipulate their set. To, to sort of try and get people up on the dance floor and get get really inter- interacting with the crowd. So it raises a question, uh, you know, were there, were there many times where you felt like a tourist and, and how easy did you find it as your first time in most of these cities, if not all of them, um, getting off a tourist trail? Yeah, it's, it's, you are a tourist. You have, to, you have to really take some time to get off the tour, tourist trail, I, I found. That would be my conclusion. Um, I felt like a like a tourist in most of these places. Even Rose's Lounge was not quite as bad because it was clearly a bit off the beaten track. So there were there were more local folk in there. Um, but as I said, I think they, they they tempered the performance. I would say that it's yeah we we struggled to get off the beaten track. When I was in New Orleans, I, I, I sort of combed Frenchman Street and and went into lots of bars there, and it felt less touristy in some than others you know there's some some are uh, clearly local folk um or localish folk but it's it's quite hard and actually i'm not i'm not too stressed by that you know i didn't come away thinking oh well we, we got stuck on the all the touristy stuff actually the, the touristy stuff's pretty cool <laughs> if yeah. you're go after good live music it's pretty cool uh when you were visiting here i'm trying to think what i said it about but i'm sure that i said there's a reason that certain things are so popular you know they're on a tourist trail because they're amazing <laughs> you know you yeah. should you should see them you should go out of your way to see them and uh it, there are times i've i've done this sort of both ways i really really have there are times where uh it's fine to be a tourist it's like hey can i come take the tour please yeah. you know show me around your museum show me around your city and then there are certainly times where i'd encourage people to get off that trail and try and find something more authentic but it's it's very very hard to do that when you're only a day or two in a city you know it can take weeks if not months to get to know a place and get to know its little secret joints yeah, absolutely right i mean one of the highlights just on that 
exact point was in the preservation hall in um new orleans they do a they do two or three shows a night jazz the preservation hall jazz band does and you get 45 minutes and you're in this tiny little old 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 room and you're right up close to the musicians and they're they're loving every minute of it the crowd's loving every minute of it no one's using their mobile phones to film it because they're not allowed so it just feels genuine and it's a tourist thing right you know everyone in there was visiting but it was fantastic it was just superb i mean you couldn't get more authentic than that yeah, it can be a thin it can be a thin line sometimes. I, I often sort of fascinated by by that by you know a, a Carnaby Street or St Mark's Place in New York City or indeed a Beale Street where you can go see so much live music. But you know, to what extent is it a replica of what Beale Street was, and to what extent is it simply Beale Street as it is now? Uh, a question we'll come back to uh, maybe some other day on some other show. Tony here. If you've been enjoying One Step Beyond, and especially if you enjoy the fact we don't have ads running through it, please consider dropping something in the tip jar. Just look for the Support This Show link on whatever app you're using to listen along, or visit supporter.acast.com forward slash One Step Beyond. Thank you. And now, on with the show. Yeah, on a similar note, you were talking about Frenchman Street in New Orleans, and that might not be a city everybody would put on their um, on their blues tour necessarily. But I believe that you also got to tie in with a. Uh, we were just talking about live music, and I, I do gather that you got to tie in with some pretty good live music in New Orleans. So um, take me through there. I've only been, gosh, well, let me put it this way: I haven't been there in probably 30 years it feels yeah. really distant i have to get back there for a mutual what's now a mutual friend but yeah take us through the new orleans experience and and how you lucked out there as well yeah well we um we had a uh as i said a sort of a loose idea of in fact win had been to uh had spent some time in new orleans sort of pre-katrina so 15 20 years ago um, so I left it pretty much to him. I did a bit of research myself, um, just at a high level. But it just so happens that Jazz Fest was on that week. So um, the week we arrived, the first weekend. So Jazz Fest is two weekends, as you know. Um, and we got the first weekend. And I grabbed a couple of tickets for that. And Jazz Fest is it's really convenient for the city, easy to get there. And it's just you know, I don't know what how many stages there are. There must be it must be ten different stages and tents combined. You know, and we uh, we just lucked out. We had a really good warm day when we went. Um, I must admit, I wanted to go on the Saturday, but we went on the Sunday. Saturday had um, Chris Stone, Kingfish Ingram was playing in the blues uh, tent, and he's a great young blues player you know it, it gives you sort of there's a there's a light there that there's there's more there's a future for the blues when you've got guys like that playing anyway we missed out on him but we we did get to see gary clark and uh he was just awesome on the main stage so so that was that was kind of day one we arrived on the friday that was that sorry that was on the sunday on the saturday we we went around on some of the other other clubs um checked out frenchman street of which you know that's that's a really interesting experience which I've never had before even in having 
grown up in London, in the birds of London. But you walk down, um, at, you know, eight o'clock on a any day of the week in Frenchman Street, you walk down and there's 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 a there's half a dozen clubs, each about twenty meters apart from each other, and you can just go in each each club, um, buy a drink, watch whoever's playing. If you want to stick around, you can stick around and then move on. Um, at the top of Frenchman Street is a fantastic uh, record store, which I visited during the day prior when I was just re- doing a recce on the on the rest of the street. Walked into the walked into the record store. There's a blues band, blues band playing down the end of the store, who were fantastic too. So, the whole sort of immersion into New Orleans, and as you say, it's not all hardcore blues. A lot of it is just great music, jazz, a uh, bit of soul all sorts um real fun to watch these musicians at work um obviously they do it every night of the week it's great it's just a, a total immersion situation fantastic music is is we're going back to what we started with music is just part of the american fabric i'm sure it is in every country i've just done a course on you know world musics across cultures and uh you know there are cultures like the pygmy people in africa who do not stop singing and dancing i mean it, it's it's fascinating in terms of them being one of the last uh, hunter-gatherer societies of any size and how just you know it's perpetual it's literally like constant so it's you know it's it's so ingrained in all of us but there have been you know periods of religious puritanism uh that still exist both in the states but also in in other countries with some other religions where music is frowned upon and dancing is frowned upon and uh you know i don't want to be part of that it's just you know, music is is just like the you know it, it's the fabric of life for me. It's the you know it's the blood that runs through our veins. But I think I was trying to lead somewhere with that, and maybe where I was trying to, uh, trying to lead was uh, uh, you you also got well. There's two places we haven't mentioned yet. One of which was one of the cities you went to deliberately, consciously yeah. uh, that you've referenced. So let's do that one first. You haven't mentioned Nashville yet. So talk no. to us about about Nashville. Well, uh, Nashville, in my mind, had always been associated with country music naturally. Um, but actually, when we got there, it uh, it was a bit of a break in the blues, really, because we were there on a Monday and Tuesday, and a lot of the a lot of the clubs weren't um, didn't have bands on, um, not a lot going on, uh, certainly not a lot of blues going on. So we we found one one bar on just off of Broadway. Um, Printer's Alley, which is just off of Broadway, it's kind of a cool place. But uh, we went into the to the bar. The band wasn't wasn't that flash, so we sort of moved on. And then I worked out that Wynn had this uh, desire to go go to the Grand Ole Opry, which mm. I thought, you know, to me that was like Grand Ole Opry. It's all that anyway. You know, we were a cool couple of guys. I said, yeah, just, just give it a shot. Um, it's quite an expensive thing to do, but. How expensive, Rich? Actually, can you just tell us? Sorry, how expensive is it? Yeah, it was about 130 bucks each. Whoa. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, that and that that was not the cheapest ticket, but it wasn't the most expensive ticket. Where, I mean, anyone knows anything about the Grand Ole Opry? It's it's an absolute Nashville institution. Broadcast live on the radio every night of the week. I think it is pretty much. Um, We saw some interesting. I mean, there's there's a bill of. It's almost like a variety show, you know, like an old-fashioned variety show. And there was about six, six acts, of which two were 
were obviously had played the Grand Ole Opry for decades. You know, they were <laughs> they were they were seasoned uh, player singers. Actually, they weren't playing; they were just singing. Didn't quite. They didn't really float my boat. But actually, some of the the younger, really more dynamic acts that uh, that were on later in the bill, um, they were they were pretty good, and I really enjoyed that the experience of seeing the whole thing in operation. Um, so I, in fact, we'd been to the Ryman Theatre beforehand, which still puts on shows. But the the Grand Ole Opry had moved out of the Ryman when the Ryman got into disrepair, and no one had any money, so they built a new a new venue some way out of town. But the Ryman's really interesting, and obviously a lot of history of a lot of really famous bands that probably you and I know um, have played there. In fact, I sent a picture of a of a Taylor Swift outfit to my daughter, who's a who's a Swifty. <laughs> Uh, now Taylor's obviously played there uh, as part of her, you know, journey. Um, so that so it was that was good to sort of see the whole um, the sort of story of the, the of the Grand Ole Opry. But what we did go to, which was really good, was the Johnny Cash Museum in ah, uh, in yeah. um, Now Johnny Cash had been sort of a little bit in my life because on my mum's side of the family, I know all her brothers and sisters were big Johnny Cash fans. And I and my one of my uncles used to play Johnny Cash songs on the guitar to us and all that stuff. And but and and as I got into the guitar in the last few years, I got into a bit more Johnny Cash. So it was great to see the journey that because it obviously it's a chronicle of his life and and in his music and his outfits and his his trials and tribulations. And that's a really good thing. Not not um, not a huge huge museum, so you can do it in a in an hour. Um, mm-hmm. So it's well worth it because you know Johnny Cash is a total legend in terms of his role in music and links into Sun Records where we visited in in Memphis. You know, so so the whole journey was was kind of intertwined in some ways. It's just a question of figuring out where the links were, and they were really easy to find. I think that if you're going to look at um... If we have to do this by color, and unfortunately, the story of the United States has been defined by by color of skin. If you're going to look at uh, trying to trace an American story through uh, a white skinned person, you you you, know, you might gravitate instinctively towards Elvis, but I kind of think Johnny Johnny Cash is the better story. Um, I really do. And Johnny Cash now Johnny Cash does have a statue and a plaque and a couple of other things over in Memphis for good reason. Sun Records. Did you get to Sun? Yeah. We got to Sun, and you know that was one. Of, you know, we went. I went to Chess Records in Chicago as well. I went to Sun Records, and we went to, obviously in Stacks. Sun, pretty authentic, I've got to say, and and all of them definitely gave me shivers down the spine. Mm. But Sun was, I mean, Chess was cool the way they show you around, and there's some you know reminders of twenty one twenty South Michigan Avenue. You know that that whole whole place. Um, but Sun is uh, Sun was really cool because it, it, it struck me that Memphis was sort of pivotal on the whole journey, not just for the blues but for music in general. Because and Sun Records in in, in specifically for the blues and rock and roll, you know, and the, the Elvis connection and the the million dollar quartet, you know, the, 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 that mm-hmm. whole story of how you know rock and roll. You know, the blues had a baby and they called it rock and roll, you know, and it kind of happened in Sun Sun Studio. And I loved the Sun Studio. I thought I thought Sun Records was a really cool place to visit and and inescapable that the, the, the how sort of pivotal it 
is to our was to our journey and our learning about uh, the whole music, not just blues but everything, um, yeah. and and emphasise Memphis as really the the fulcrum of the of the whole story, whether it's civil rights or music. That's kind of where it all came together for me. Yeah, I I agree with you. It's unsung. It's it's a it can be a difficult city to navigate Memphis just sort of geographically and uh, like like any big city almost anywhere in the world it's had its troubled periods and uh you know those things combined can keep it off um the tourist map in a way that nashville doesn't have that same kind of issue uh memphis has a statue up for johnny cash celebrating apparently his first ever concert at a church right across the street from yeah. that statue so his uh, uh you know his connection there you mentioned the museum is in nashville right but that's right the museum yeah. in nashville yeah, but his legacy is more is more Memphis and Sun, you know, is amazing because you just open the front door and you're in the studio and they've still got the microphone up. This sort of like, you know, you can stand in front of the microphone and get your picture taken. And that's that's the moment that I say we all get to play tourists. It's total fanboy fangirl. Yeah, and that's fine, you know, and, and I was totally cool with that. And you know, mm. and I, I'm very sort of skeptical about being a tourist in general terms, like you are, I think, from what you're mm. saying. But on this trip, you know, I was I was happy to be one of the one of the ones lining up to grab the mic. In fact, I was first in line to grab the mic. <laughs> yeah, right. some things don't change. You have to push, yeah. Do you push any old ladies out of the way, Rich? <laughs> no, no, I, I've got wind to stand aside, so I, but I swapped with it. I took took a couple of him. Yeah, so the sun is is a real, you know, because it's in the middle of this sort of area where. It's not a touristy area. It's just a you know a, mm. just a, a main main drag. You have to be careful crossing the road. And and there's Sun Records, one of the most important places in musical in the musical world. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to just note that before Sam Phillips discovered Johnny Cash, Roy Orbison, and Carl uh, 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 Perkins, that's it, and uh, Jerry Lee Lewis and and Elvis, uh, he was recording BB King. And in fact, he was recording Rufus Thomas, who uh, became integral to the Stack story. And uh, so he was out there, you know, he made his shift based on a number of factors, but it's also an important city and an important studio in terms of the black music story. Um, to, to, to just get slightly, only slightly off Memphis, it was raised to me not too long ago. I mean, it's, it may even be in that book I loaned you about Memphis, but I've heard this said, and I didn't know it the first couple of times I went through there. Memphis is almost like the capital of Mississippi. When you actually look at the map, it's down in the southwest corner of Tennessee, and Nashville is very much in the middle. And Memphis is like right there by like like right by the Arkansas uh, River. Um, so it borders Arkansas and it it borders Mississippi and. Um, a, a lot of people, you know, say if you want to actually, you know, figure this out musically, you can make an argument that Memphis actually almost belongs in Miss, in Mississippi as the sort of capital. I have done very little traveling in Mississippi. You got further in than I ever have. What did you see in Mississippi? Yeah, well, we took um, Highway 61 out of Memphis. You can pick it up pretty much by the Lorraine Motel, I think, and you just head out. And that was on purpose. You can take the interstate if you want to, to um, New Orleans, but we on purpose wanted a take the the just the the highway 61 because of just what it's all about and we were actually about 100 miles i think it is about south of memphis you come to clarksdale mississippi which is where where the legendary crossroads is where uh robert johnson uh sold his soul to the devil so he could play 
play blues guitar, um, which was a, um, I guess it was, it, it was a kind of weird thing because you're driving along the main drag through Clarksdale and then there is this, this, uh, this sort of monument, which is a couple of guitars right at the junction of 49 and, and 61. And so obviously you stop and take a few photos. My regret to some extent, and maybe this is in the locker for another trip, is to spend some time in Clarksdale, Mississippi, and just to see what the scene is there in terms of clubs. And and the, there's a museum there. I know there's a blues museum there, which we never got to, uh, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, it was it was good to see it and, and just sort of, well, understand that particular crossroads, whether it's the crossroads, I think is up for, de- up for debate, but that's one of the crossroads that's in the mix when you're talking about Robert Johnson. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you did that. I need I need to do more there. I'd like to get back down and see uh, the friend who's now your friend as well in New Orleans. But you know what? Uh, if you do decide to come back and do Detroit and uh, Cleveland, even though I've been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, you know, more than a couple of times, it's well worth going to for everyone it really really is um you know it, it it's it's a very well crafted museum and uh i've never you uh, have funny enough i've been to detroit a couple of times but I've, I've never been inside motown i'd be well up for that uh so maybe we'll get to do the next one together i i know uh there's so much more we could talk about including the places you didn't get to but um you know that's just the nature of it uh anyway uh what what i want to get at is we're talking your tour and anybody can do an american road trip and anybody can do it on the cheap because i've literally done my trips where you know you pull off the uh the 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 throughway the freeway uh at at the outskirts of a city there's gonna be eight eight motels there you can just even the modern day you can just sit there in a car park and look for the cheapest you can just walk into one and get a room uh that the you know it, it it's it's an amazing experience and you can have things like when we drove through oklahoma and you just go woody guthrie's birthplace uh you know i went to the national jazz museum in kansas city i was disappointed by it um i actually went on the website before this call it was looking pretty nice and flash so it felt a little tired when i was there they may have spent the money on it, it and and one thing other thing about americans is they love a museum they'll they'll put a museum out to anything anything and yeah. so you know the road trip you know you get to see a real a, a real america a, and 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 what's and all yeah good and bad what's and all but it, but if you've got a sort of sense of purpose like you did with your trip i think uh i think it's as good as sort of anywhere you can go it, it may maybe not necessary for the scenic views on that particular journey but in terms of culture history and of course music yeah i i, I mean one thing i will mention that that really quite shocked us on our road trip so you wouldn't have seen this if you flew from city to city but when we drove out of clarksdale south about halfway between there and uh, new orleans we came to a, a little town called rolling fork now rolling fork has been in the news recently in, on the 25th of march a tornado ripped the heart out of that town and what it showed us i mean we we pulled into a gas station filled up then, then started the on the outskirts of town, and then, then drove through the town only to see the devastation that was still uh, evident, of course, from the from the from this natural disaster that had hit this place. So, you know, it was that was hard to see because there's still, uh, you know, support services everywhere helping people out, welfare support. Um, but it, you know, it's part of 
that part of America, right? That is what yeah, happened. Poverty. Yeah, po it's po poverty. It's, it's poverty, and, and and it seems that the disasters hit the hit the poor folk like they did in uh, when the levees broke in 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 New Orleans, you know, and that sort of emphasised that whole class divide again, and um, you know, so it, we we were pretty subdued after we sort of came out of rolling fork and uh, needed a little bit of getting ourselves going again by the time we hit uh, the delta so um yeah it was it was quite a sobering moment but part of the trip and an important part of the trip and thanks for referencing that and i actually think that's a good place to leave it because uh, you know history uh, is it's you know we live through history what 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 we're experiencing today becomes tomorrow's history and sometimes you you recognize it's important and sometimes things don't get acknowledged and i appreciate you acknowledging that this was really really enjoyable thanks for coming coming on to do it as i say yours is but a template but a, you know but one idea of the road trip that can be crafted but it was a great opportunity to combine you know uh, all my loves really in one in uh, in one thing in one episode to talk about music and and uh you know history and culture and the, the road trip and all and friendships and and all all of that good stuff so uh thanks rich i'm glad you came up to see me i'm just gonna i guess leave us with the note that uh for all the live music you saw you had to come to kingston to see a couple of bands that weren't from kingston i will uh, get that out there at our little hole in the wall bar called tubbies where we saw two of the bands with the best names going the, the country westerns and liquor store uh on no. the uh, on the night you arrived from two plane trips so i've got to hand it to you man that was uh that was wonderful. It was loud as F. And I think my ears are still ringing from that one. But it was a very authentic experience, as authentic as probably anything you had. So, uh, yeah, live music, again, integrated into American uh, culture. Yeah, it was great. It was great to visit with you, Tony. And shout out to my buddy, Wynn, who helped make my, my trip um, as memorable and as fun as it was. And um, yeah, hope to see you very soon. I do hope you enjoyed listening to that conversation as much as it should have been perfectly evident that we enjoyed having it. I will provide links to much of what Richard talked about in the show notes and uh, museums and so on. Maybe a couple of things he didn't talk about. Uh, he didn't get to Graceland, which I do heartily recommend if you go to Memphis yourself. But uh, I do also think he was right to prioritize the Stax Museum of American Soul and the National Civil Rights Museum. Rich does not maintain a high profile on social media, but there is an Instagram account in which he posted some videos, both from this trip, just short ones, and from a uh, bicycle trip he did in New Zealand with his wife not that long ago. The podcast will be back in a month, uh, at the start of July 2023. Between this and the Jamming Fanzine podcast, dropping one episode every two weeks is as much as I can do. And you can do me a favor in that regard by... Um, subscribing for sure if you like the show and if you really like it and have time for a review apparently that helps any kind of like uh, any kind of rating it's it's all part of the algorithmic process that apparently raises a, raises a podcast profile above the uh, I think it is literally millions millions of others it's uh, it's the modern fanzine and uh, I'm not entirely sure it always beats going to a record shop or a bookshop or you know somewhere where you could interact with humans uh so on that note i want to always also 
really encourage you to reach out if you have a suggestion for a story or just want to say that you're enjoying the show uh we're on instagram we're on facebook um there's an email all of that again in the show notes in the meantime i want to wish you all the best stay safe out there and i'll see you all or you'll hear from me in a few weeks time bye now